1: writing a story here in Mableton. He is writing a national bestseller right now in the city of Mableton. And guess what? You are all a part of it. Each and every one of you will play a part in this wonderful masterpiece that God is creating here in South Cobb. I just want to share with you some of the great things that we've done this year. And because I'm not a pastor that's braggadocious and I never, ever want to take credit for anything we do, I never look back at what we've done. I just don't, right? I need to do that more so we can celebrate that stuff more. But I just don't. I want to keep on pressing, keep on moving, keep on uh, responding, keep on doing things that would make people's lives better. But for this moment... I said, you know, I got, I got to celebrate some wins. And so if you don't mind, if you'll permit me, I want to share nine, and this is just nine out of a whole bunch of stuff we've done, nine things that we all did as a team to impact somebody's life this year. Number one, many of you walked with a group of us. We walked over 12 miles from this school all the way down to downtown Atlanta to put a spotlight on homelessness, and as a result, Three families are no longer homeless and are gainfully employed. We walked over 12 miles, y'all, just to say, hey, look at these people who are without homes. Three families, that's amazing. I just talked with, that's one of our partner organizations that you saw up there, Love Beyond Walls. They're doing some amazing things. We partnered with them to do that. Here's another thing we did. We did of a new school for this building this building that you're sitting in is the oldest building the oldest school in the entire county in the fourth or fifth largest county in the state this school right here is the oldest school and there was community and others voted for so that this school could be rebuilt and they and the county said no but we mobilized, got some people together, some parents, some business people, some concerned clergy, and guess what? We've secured $5 million to get this school rebuilt within the next two to three years. Come on, somebody, doggone it. That's good news. Guess what else we did? We rolled up our sleeves to beautify this school Even after that, a whole bunch of us came in here and and totally redecorated the parent liaison room and put furniture and stuff together. Even my buddy Will was a part of that. We did some amazing things to beautify this school and build up the pride in this school. Guess what else we did? We raised $700 via social media for a single mom to get her car repaired and pay bills to restore services that have been disconnected. Guess what else we did? We donated close to $1,000 to help an organization that helps girls and adult women leave the sex industry and provide a fresh start. Y'all remember them. They were remedy. They came here with their bread and stuff. We raised in that service close to $1,000 great seed money for them to do great things, and they are doing very good right now, making an impact in the lives of of, of these young women. And I want to share this with you. I forgot to say this. They had their very first graduating class uh, several months ago. The very first class graduated from that program, and it's because of your seeds. (laughs) Guess what else we did? Guess what else we did? We currently, watch this, we currently mentor over 40 boys in our mentoring program at Lindley Sixth Grade Academy and Lindley Middle School. Over 40 boys are being mentored today, and it's all because of your hard work. Guess what else we're doing? I can keep on going. We provided backpacks and uniforms to a whole bunch of elementary school-age children in partnership with two other churches in this community guess what else we did? We've given over $1,000 to ARC, which is, uh, you saw that, that thank you uh, video up there. We've given over $1,000 to ARC so that other churches can do what we're doing, planning a church in a community that is in need of a church. And here's what I know. The local church is indeed the hope of the world. And if more churches aren't being planted in this world, then there is no hope. And we contributed over $1,000 this so far this year to make sure that that happens. Man, that's good news. And here's the final thing, not the final thing, but the final thing I'll share with you today. In partnership with local nonprofit called uh, Save It Forward, we've delivered a month's worth of food to families in need, several families every month. Brandon and I and some others get together, get in my minivan, load it up with groceries, and make personal house deliveries to these families who don't have food. And that food covers them for the month. Let me tell you what an impact that has made. We've been so great at doing that that some of those families have called me outside of the pantry. They've, they've called pastors says hey, I'm, I'm over here, I need gas. We got it. I'm, I'm over here and I need gas and I need groceries. That just happened last week, by the way. Because we've done such a, an amazing thing, people still know to call up on Mosaic Church. And because of these small things, someone sold a seed into us because they heard that we're a small church doing big things within our community. Numbers. I'm going to be reading today from the book of Numbers. You know, God has given such a big and bodacious vision that, that it's requiring me to stretch into an area of, of, of being uncomfortable. And for a long time, and this is going to sound so hypocritical, but, you know, hey, I'm going to throw out my Jesus card. This is what he's been telling me. Okay? It sounds so hypocritical because it's, it totally changes my thought and my philosophy. It, it even changes some of the things I said. For a long time, I said, what? Well, I'm not concerned about the numbers. I'm, I just, I don't care how many people, you know, I'm only concerned about the people that are here and this and that. And God convicted me. He says, if you're not concerned about numbers, you're not concerned about reaching people. Reached people equals numbers. And I was like, yeah, but God, I mean, I don't want to be out there. I don't want to become a mega church. And he says, it's okay to be a mega church as long as you're making a mega impact. And I was like, uh, but, God, but God, there's so much stuff that's attached to all that stuff and all these multi-campus stuff. And God says, let me worry about that. You just labor. And so when I think about numbers, my, my, my whole thought has changed. I am concerned about numbers because that's the only proof that we have that that, that lives are changed, Right. That, that people are being impacted. Numbers represent marriages saved. Numbers represent uh, 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 people that are being, you know, healthy people. Numbers represent people that are coming to Christ. Numbers represent people that are being baptized. Numbers represent salvations. Numbers represent a whole lot. And so for so long, I've shot myself and shot yourselves in the foot by saying, we're not concerned about numbers here. God is going to send who He wants. But isn't that so against what our our, 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 our saying is, what our mission statement is, reach, I have to go out, teach, serve, and love. And we can never reach if we're sitting waiting for God to send. God gave the command when he gave the greatest commandment. He said what? Go. He didn't say, stay here. Let them come. He said, go. I release you to go. Make disciples of everyone. Teach them everything that I've taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's the best part. Know this. I am with you all the way. Every step you take, everything, everything you think, I'm with you all the way. He said, go. And so for so long, I've sat here. He says, we're not concerned about the numbers. And we are concerned about the numbers. So get that in your mind because I'm going to be talking a lot about that. I'm going to be pushing that, that, that in a big way because we have to be making an impact. Um, the book of Numbers, we'll be reading from chapter 3. And just let me give you a backstory here. Here you have the, the children of Israel. They, they just got out of the, you know, they just escaped, you know, the mess they were in. And they're on their way to the promised land, but they made some mistakes along the way. And so what should have been like just a very, you know, short journey, Ended up being a 40-day, a 40-year journey. Sorry about that. So it should have been short, but because they made some mistakes along the way and tried to figure this thing called life out like some of us do along the way, their journey turned into a 40-year journey. And so as they're going along to get to this promised land, well, they had to worship, right? They still loved God. They had to worship. So, so they were church planners. They were setting up tents and, and, and setting up the tabernacle and, and building this thing up so that they could still worship and 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 what god did was choose three three sons the sons of levi to be the ones responsible for setting up this tent and each of them had their own responsibility and that's what we're going to talk about today i want us to all of the stuff that we've done this year good stuff round of applause at a boy at a girl but we have to keep the momentum We cannot get weary in doing good works. We cannot get tired in doing God's work. I know it's hard. I know it's not. It's not sometimes some of the stuff is not cushy. It's not the way we want, but we cannot get tired. We have to keep the momentum. There are three principles that produce momentum, and I'm going to share them with you today and what they look like here at Mosaic Church. The first thing I want to share with you all is there's structural momentum. Structural momentum. Numbers 3:36 and 37 says this. These two clans were responsible for the care of the frames supporting the tabernacle the crossbars, the pillars, the bases, and all the equipment related to their use. They were also responsible for the posts of the courtyard and all their bases and pegs and ropes. The two clans were direct descendants of one of Levi's sons. And those descendants were the whole clan, meaning that's a family within a family within a family, in other words, a whole bunch of them. Okay. They were all responsible for one task and that one task only. In other words, if we made it this way, we would say that Brandon would be just as responsible for the drapes. Nothing else. That's your job. That's what you're trained to do. You're going to train your children to do it. Your children are going to train their children to do it. Your family is known as pipe and drape people. And that's how this was set up, because you got to recall, this was a 40-year journey. So generations upon generations became masters at that one task of setting up that one thing. And here it is. Why was that so important? It was so important because this was basically the frame of the place where they would worship. This was the foundation. This was the structure. Watch this. It started with one generation. And that next generation took their children and, took and told them, there's great pride in doing what we're doing. Listen, son, every time we set up a pillar, it's so that the rest of our family, the rest of our people can worship our God. This is a great job that we're doing. We are representing the king himself. There was great pride in that. And someday, son, you will teach your son to do the exact same thing. They were laying down a foundation. And do you know you cannot build a house unless you first lay down the what foundation there has to be something that you stick your poles in there has to be something that would hold the entire structure up and i'll tell you this if you build a house on sand it will fall it will fall because sand shifts sand moves sand is a very moist type of soil if you will but if you place your foundation, if you build your house on a solid foundation, if you build it on something that will not shift, then you're building a foundation that will last a long and long time. I'm from Buffalo, New York, and one of the one of the things that I love about the city that I'm from is the architecture. The architecture is so beautiful. You have houses that were built in the late 1700s to 1800s. I'm talking about mansions that have Have not even received really much new construction besides beautification, but because the foundation was made right in a cold climate, by the way, where there's snow, there's blizzards, there's all kind of inclement weather up north. These buildings still stand. Why? Because the foundation was laid. And here's what happens with this clan. Daddy said, we're going to be really proud in building up this tabernacle. We're going to be proud in putting these pillars down because we are the best pillar makers there are. And here's what I'm trying to do. For, For Mosaic Church, our structure is, watch this, our structure is, it starts with. With our clear vision and values. And here's, here's our vision, to reach people where they are, how they are, regardless of who they are, with the life-giving message of Christ. I don't care. Listen, I want the guy with the tattoos in his nose and 50 million earrings around his ear, and he's, and, and he, I mean, the, the nose ring and tattoos on his face, and he's got the split tongue. I want that guy to be our poster boy. I want him. Why? Because most people will look at him and say, he can't be a Christian. I was hanging out uh, while I was talking with a buddy of mine the other night, and he was at a pastor's event yesterday, and... uh, I said, man, you know, I would have loved to go and attend that, man, just to, you know, hobnob with you guys. He says, man, you would have had to wear a suit to be there. I was like, well, then I guess I didn't want to be there because if I'm judged uh, uh, in terms of my status as a pastor because I wear a suit or don't wear a suit, then that's not the place I need to be. I need to be around people that look like me, that's messy like me, don't don't know much about me. I don't want them to see me and say, man, you look like a pastor. Because in their eyes, Pastor could mean suit, tie, and the little rose thing right there. I don't want that. What I want you to see is Christ in me. And then if you want to ask about my title or my position, we can talk about that later. But the first thing I want you to see is Christ in me. Then you can see that I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. You see the order? The order is right. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a pastor. Pastor is the bottom of my list. Because the most important congregation I'll ever shepherd starts at home. I love y'all. I love y'all. I can't listen, God ain't gonna hold me too, too, He ain't gonna hold me too tight if I don't get all of y'all to heaven. But if I don't get my own kids and my wife to heaven, God is gonna judge me harshly. He's gonna hold me accountable. And that matters to me. And I have to make sure that I don't neglect the crib. Home. It all begins with structure, the foundation. There's structural momentum. Structural momentum. The other thing with our structure is sound solid financial policies, which we have in place here. We're above board with everything. You know all of our business. We make sure that. And if you ever want to know and you want to look through the books, we always make them open for you to see what your church is doing. We always share. Everything we ask for in terms of giving, we share with you. We say, hey, we want to raise money for backpacks. We're going to get backpacks. Nothing else, nothing more. We're going to get backpacks. If there's extra, we're going to try to find a way to get more backpacks. Whenever we take a collection for a special thing, it's for that special thing. Amen? Here's here's the second thing I want to share with you. There's systematic momentum. There's structural momentum. Then there's systematic momentum. And this is very, 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 very important. Numbers 325 says this. These two clans were responsible to care for the tabernacle, including the sacred tent with its layers of coverings, The curtain at its entrance, the curtain at the courtyard that surrounded the tabernacle and altar, the curtain at the courtyard entrance, the ropes and all the equipment related to their use. In other words, they were responsible for creating a safe and holy environment a place where people can come as they were, as they are, and worship God, a place where they could receive healing, a place where they could make sacrifices and give offerings unto God. They were responsible for creating a place for the people to do what they do in order to communicate with God. And I want to share this with you. We, every single Sunday, have one opportunity. I'm just going to be honest. We have one opportunity to reach a person that may be lost. And if they come on here on a Sunday and nobody was in the parking lot to greet them, we've already lost their attention. If they come into this place and everybody's in a group talking and they did not acknowledge them, lost if they come here and sit in the chairs and they're expecting great worship and all of a sudden we don't look like we know what we're doing, we've lost them. We have one shot at reaching that lost person. And this is why it's imperative that we do things with excellence. We only have one shot. And because we have one shot, I love what the famous evangelist uh, 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 Leonard, uh, Leonard Ravenhill said. I love this. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. And every time somebody walks through that door, that's a lifetime opportunity that their life depends on. And we can't blow it. We can't do it. And when I ask us to be the best greeters, it's not just so we can be fluffy and, and and have great customer service. It's so that we can meet their need, so that we can break down a wall that's already up when they walk through the doors. They've already had a bad church experience. They already have a judgment about what church is in their life. They already know what to expect because they've been going to church and it hasn't worked. So we got to break down that wall to get to their heart. It's important, it's imperative that we do that. The lifetime, the, 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 listen, we have to pursue those opportunities, and we only have one. That's good, I like that. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Here's another opportunity that we have. We have an opportunity right now to impact this community like never before. This new place that we're going, this new venue, this new space, this new location. It's a great opportunity to just jump right in, smash it hard, get people involved, love on people who are disconnected, love on people who are not a part of a church. We have a great opportunity, and God knows I don't want us to miss it. Here's the other side. Let me get personal. Some of y'all have opportunities sitting in front of you right now. Right now, job opportunities, relational opportunities, opportunities of redemption and reconciliation, opportunities of healing right now. And you're too afraid to just step out there. You don't even have to jump. Just step and let God lead the way. The opportunity, listen, 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 this is good. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Whatever it is, I don't know your business. I don't know everybody's business. You know what that opportunity is. Seize it, but seize it with God. Let God direct your path. Amen? Listen, here's how we gain systematic momentum at Mosaic Church. Weekend services. Got to be done with excellence. Most people who decide they want to form a relationship with Christ again, they're not going to go to your small group first, just being honest. They're come to your church first. They're going to go, come to your building first. Now there's a new way they're going to check out your website first, right? They want to see if the pastor and his wife look good, that type of thing, if they wear suits, if it's all about pastor, wife, and you know how that is, you know. First, do they call pastors' wife first lady? Oh, I don't want to be a part of that church. I ain't with the first lady thing, you know. dude, you know all that stuff that doesn't matter? Then go to your website first. Is it clean? Does it make sense? Is it easy to get to? Then they're gonna come here in this building, and they're gonna see if all the hype that you placed on your website is authentic. And I pray that every time somebody does that and comes to this place, it's authentic. Good news is everybody who comes here says the same thing. They felt loved. They felt welcomed. They didn't feel judged, amen, for that because I've gone to a thousand churches and felt judged. They don't feel anything. They feel loved. They feel it's authentic, And, and they left full, you know, and high from the sugar that we serve. The other area is our small groups. We pastor people through our small groups. Seventy percent of pastoral care happens in a small group. There's stuff you share with people in your small group that you won't share with your pastor, and I'm okay with that. I'd rather you share it with them because I can't resolve any of the problems. Only God can. But when you are in a small group of people, they're praying with you. There's accountability. Things are happening. We just started a married couple small group, and I'll tell you, we're already breaking some stuff, breaking some chains and having some really deep conversations, but I just firmly believe that that's going to be something that just holds us together. Another area is our growth track. Man, the, our growth track is incredible. The first, it's only four Sundays you have to come to be officially involved. You only have to come one of those Sundays to Mosaic 101 and you become a member. And all we do in 101 is tell you our history, what we believe and who sponsors us and who we're part of. And in 201, we tell you what the Christian life looks like. 301, we do something for you for free that costs money everywhere else. We tell you what your spiritual gift is, the thing that God has created you to do. We break that down for you. We tell you what your personality type is. I dare you to look that up and see what they charge for that. At Mosaic Church, it's free 99. Sign up today. That's how much we care about making sure we get this right, that we're seizing this opportunity within this lifetime. We invest all of these things into you. And then finally, we invite you to be a part of our dream team so that you can be part of the celebration. If you're here today, you're going to be celebrated, whether you're on a dream team or not. You're going to get some candy, you're going to get a wiener, some bag of, bag of chips, maybe a juicy box or something like that. We're going to hook you up. And then you stick around for about four or five more years, you get the lobster tail, no, crab legs, whatever. You know, you tell me what crustacean you want, and I'll get it. <laughs> Here's the third thing we do. There's spiritual momentum. This is by far the most important of all of them. We do a, 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 a long and extended prayer and fast twice a year. We do it in the fall. We do it at the beginning of the year. And I'm just going to say this. Last year, I mean this year, earlier this year, and we did the 40 days of prayer, I can't tell you how many people have been blessed by that. Let me me tell you because we are praying family what has happened. I've seen people get brand new homes. I've seen, I've seen, come on now, come on. I've seen people, watch this, I've seen people get promotions. I've seen people step out on faith, leave a good job where they had a regular salary, stepped out on faith, started a business, and got more business than they can handle. I've seen at least three people in this place. Why? Because we're a praying family. I've seen great things happen for the people in this place. Why? Because our spirituality is intact. I've seen it happen time and time again. And and, and I'll tell you, if if you've not joined, listen, every Wednesday we do a prayer call. And people call from California, Minnesota, uh, 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 and parts of Atlanta, obviously. Now, if people are calling from California, now the prayer call is at 6 a.m., yeah, refresh me. I only know when the alarm go off. I'm just ready. I go into, I'm in. 6 a.m. If they're calling from California at 6 a.m., now now bear in mind, they could be local just with a California number. I'll I'll give that. But I would like to believe that they're just dedicated folk (laughs) in California getting up at 3 o'clock because they want to pray. It's not hard to believe. I'm up at 5 praying for you all, my family, this community, every day, every single day. I don't miss a day. I'll go 5.15 the latest, you know. I'll snooze it maybe once in a while when I'm really tired. 5.15 is it. You hear what I'm saying? Minnesota? Yes, they're up. Minnesota is what, two hour, one hour? One hour. They're at 5 o'clock up praying. Why? Because it's making a doggone difference in their life. The spiritual momentum is is so important. Here's here's what I want to tell you. All of this stuff that I'm talking about with our church and the stuff that we can do in this community, all of this, watch this, all of this is senseless without God. Psalms 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless God is the center and the epicenter and the entire parameter of what we're doing, unless He is there, it's all in vain. If we don't put God first, it's all in vain. Because here's the thing, I'm not smart enough, I'm not talented enough, y'all are not creative enough, and none of us are rich enough to do what God's big and bodacious plans are for this community. Now, some of y'all might be holding out on some bread. That's cool. Let's talk after service. But if that's not true, I don't think any of us are rich enough to really do, I'm talking about financially rich, to do what God really wants us to do. It requires Him. I love to, 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 to think that we can build a city. That's crazy. That's radical. Mosaic Church builds a, a city in Mableton. That's radical, right? Right? Pastor Broderick Santiago, the first mayor of Mabel. Okay, that's, that's maybe personal dreaming. That's I don't want to be into politician, but, uh, you know, I'll do it for the good of the kingdom. <laughs> Amen. But listen, on the real, you know, all jokes aside, can you imagine the day that they declare this city a city officially? That goes into the history books. And you know what else goes in the history books? Those were who involved in the process of making this place a city. And you know what else goes in there with that? The pictures of those people who were involved in that process. And you know what else goes with that? The names. Can I go on and on? What I'm trying to tell you all is we have an opportunity to make history. We're already making history. When they, listen, when they, when they break ground on this new building, They'll look back and say, well, who are the people involved? Mosaic Church was there. When kids come for 10, 15 years from now to come to this school to get their education, Mosaic Church was there. We're already in the process of making history. Why? Because our spiritual momentum was intact. With some praying folks, y'all. Come on. We still need to do that prayer walk. Somebody dropped the ball. I won't say no names. Pastor B it all falls on me anyway. Here's what we need to do for that. Numbers 3, 31 says this. These four clans were responsible for the care of the ark, the table, the lampstand, the altars, the various articles used in the sanctuary, the inner curtain, and all the equipment related to their use. These, this one clan, this one group was responsible for making sure that the spiritual stuff, the stuff that was needed to make this spiritual worship to God perfect was intact. That was all they did. And for generations upon generations, that was their one job. Santi would have been in that group. It's Like, Tina, this is what you do? Santi would do the same thing. You would train him to do that. He would set the table perfectly. He would put a certain thing. He would put the, the table together. He'd put the drinks together. He would light the candles at the right time. He would have certain things at a certain angle, and he would teach his sons and daughters to do the same thing. That was it. That was all they had to do. And because they did just that small thing, they made it into the history books. And if we do the small things well, if we do the small things well, the big things will take care of themselves. Because we've mastered the art of focusing on the little things that make the big impact. And that's what I want to do. That's what I want us to do. I want us to really focus on those small things like, watch this, focusing on the Word of God. Right? It's, it's small, right? Because that means all I got to do is if I say, set my clock to wake up at 6 o'clock every morning and just say I'm going to read one scripture, I'm going to open the Bible, I'm just going to do like a magic trick. Bam! First one I see. Oh, bam! Luke 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people, he returned to Capernaum. That's my scripture for the day. It's easy to do that, right? We can do that all day. But what if I focus on it? What if I look at the reference Scriptures that are on the side? What if I actually watch this? This is deep, y'all. What if I actually Google what other people say about that Scripture and get a detailed explanation or a detailed exegesis? That's when you break down the particular pericope. The pericope would be a Scripture. Yeah, I did go to seminary in case y'all were wondering. And get a better, clear understanding of what the Scripture means. And then we're focusing on the Word of God. You know how else we focus on the Word of God? When we make a decision in life and go back to this book and say, well, what, what, not, not, not the bracelet, not the what would Jesus do thing. That's so corny to me. That's just, and they never get it right. But what if we go back to the Scripture and say, you know what, who else went through this type of stuff in their life? Who else had some stuff they lost? Who else lost, like, possessions? And how did they recover? Because everything that you've gone through in your life today and everything that you're going through in your life right now, somebody in the Bible went through it and, and God made it through it, helped them through it one way or another. I guarantee you could throw something out. And I say, oh, yep, they, they did that. If you go to the Old Testament back in, you know what I mean? Back in, you know, Chronicles or whatever. Here's the other thing. Here's another small thing we don't do. Spiritual momentum. Focus on prayer. Focus on prayer. You know that's one of the hardest disciplines? You know why? Because we've got these made-up things in our mind about what prayer should look like. We try to sound like somebody who is a good prayer. Man, so-and-so sure can pray. I want to sound like that. And then when you don't sound like that, you get tripped up in your words, and you're like, oh, that don't make sense. Let me start over. God, if thou would just impart upon, upon me your spirit today, And release within me the greatest deposits that you put within the depths of my soul. And God, I cry out to all of the angels across the world that you would just scatter your angels amongst us, God, so that nothing ever comes against us in any way to harm us, God. And we try to do that, and it's like we can't do that, and so we just give up on prayer. Come on. Being honest. One of the greatest prayers, one of the first people to speak in my life and told me I was called in the ministry, Reverend Albert Delaney. I'm not lying. In a church of a thousand or plus people from Turner Chapel, Reverend Al Delaney, whenever he prayed, he'd get up there, he'd do like this. God, God, it's me, Albert. I want to talk to you. And that's how I opened prayer every day. And he would literally talk. And I'm talking about that's how he prayed over the congregation. Now, I wouldn't do that. That won't work for me. That, that, to me, that's cheesy for me. You know, I'm a thespian. I can act a little bit, so I like to be dramatic. I'm a poet. But however your prayer life is, let me get serious here. However you pray, pray. God doesn't care about it. He just wants to talk with you. You can say, what's up, dude? How you doing, man? What's going on? I need you. Holler at me. Whatever way you can, just have that conversation with him. I know people who write poems to him. I know people who rap to him. Whatever the case may be, do it. Don't worry about how you sound. Just do it. And here's the best part. Watch this. Oh, this is good. Do you know the Bible says that when you don't know what to pray about, the Holy Spirit will be sent upon your behalf to help you and lead you and tell you what you can pray for? Wow. So you mean all I got to do is just show up? Yep condition your heart get your heart ready the bible says the holy spirit is there ready to pray on your behalf for you even if you don't know what to say it'll pray for you isn't that amazing you don't have to be a great uh, orator you don't have to be so poetic you can just open your mouth and your heart and let the holy spirit do the work man being a christian is so easy right here's the other one focus on worship yeah we dropped the ball on that this morning how did we drop the ball Because we allow technology and stuff to prevent us from doing what God called us to do. He already gave the example in the Word. He says, praise Him with the timbrel and dance. They were slapping the tambourine and dancing, doing what they do, praising God. I love to see. I love watching YouTube and watching how different folks worship. You all ever see the one video where... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> where the, pad, the pastor's preaching, and all of a sudden, it's like everybody was just chilling. And all of a sudden, somebody started playing on the organ. They were playing. And all of a sudden, like everybody started running. So the dude ran around and took his jacket off and whirled it like this and hit the pastor with it and then ran around, and then he jumped into the baptism pool. Y'all never saw that one? Oh, my God. It's a classic. It's got like over a million views on, on uh, YouTube. You got to see it. It's, it's, it's very grainy, the video. But, I mean, they started playing. Everybody's just like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. All of a sudden, my man started playing. It's like, they just started running like, you know, like roaches with the lights on. It was crazy. <laughs> and my man was, he tore the jacket and hit the pastor. The pastor tried to hold on to it. It was amazing. Google it. I don't know how you'd find it. I don't even know what to search for. That's like the funniest video ever. But that was, or, or, or better yet, the one brother, they're doing tithe and offering. And all of a sudden, my man starts doing a butterfly. And he just standing there doing a butterfly, and it's like several different videos of him. It's not the same one. Like one, he's wearing like a green shirt. Another one, he's wearing a striped shirt. So you know he does this all the time. It's like offering time, butterfly, butterfly, huh? The man was excited about worshiping God with what God has given him. He was excited about, I'm going to make sure that God gets his cut because, wow, I serve a God who lets me live off of 90%. All I got to go do is give 10? What a God. Wow, that's a big deal. Y'all know God could have said, yo, y'all give me 90 and live off of 10. It don't matter because some of y'all don't even do it anyway. So, like, well, so? He can say what he want. I ain't giving 10 now. What? Anyway, I'm just, look, y'all get quiet. I hate talking about money. Y'all so sensitive around here. Talk about money. Oh, here, here you go. Listen, salvation is free. Ministry is not. To do the work of God, it costs money. My good looks ain't get us in here for free. Huh? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I need a different haircut. Maybe if I change the haircut, they'll give me a discount. I don't know. Listen, unless the Lord builds this house, the work, of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. If we don't put God at the head, the center, the feet, the total, total parameter of what we're doing, then what we're doing is in vain. And here's the good news. We receive enough confirmation that everything that we're doing is God's plan and not our own. Everything that we're doing is God's plan and is not our own. When we first came to this city, there was not a middle school available. And all of a sudden, it's available. I didn't know how we were going to move. We don't have the money. But God knew. And sent someone that would sow a seed, a generous seed, so that we can begin the process. This is all in line with God's plan. Listen, and I'm going to close here. We make a living by what we get. But we make a life. By what we give. We make a living by what we get. Your salary, your money, whatever you get, that's your living. But your life is by what you give. And I don't want to go to glory with a whole bunch of stuff. I want to go to glory totally naked, totally broke, totally exhausted. Because I gave my very life to please God